Okay, welcome to the first episode of 2021 of the Wasting Time podcast. One of your hosts, Chris. Uh, I'm on the line with Nick as ever. How's it going, Nick? You good? I'm good, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And we've got we we're joined by Jay today as well. Happy New What's Year, up? Jay. Happy New Year. When do we run, when when is the cutoff for stopping wishing people Happy New Year? I feel like we. I I wanted to call it yesterday. I don't know, but well, sorry, I extended you. it. Yeah, <laughs> I think one week is reasonable. I think yeah, we're pushing it slightly doing today, but anything after today is really pushing it. So, so where are you uh, joining from? Um, joining us from today? I live just just north of Boston. Um, so I've been out here. I'm from Seattle originally. And I, I lived in LA when I was a kid, but I've been out in Boston. Shit, thirty years now. So um, it's it's home. It's cold. But this part I don't like. I love it here, except right now. It's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get some brutal winters there, presumably. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually um, taking off. Like at the end of this month, I just like, I'm such a baby about the cold. I, we're taking off. We're going to Austin, Texas. We're just going to spend a few, a few weeks there because I just hate it so much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was going to say that that would be in the build up to South by Southwest, but obviously not. Typically. <laughs> obviously yeah. not yeah. right now. Not this yeah. time. Yeah. But that is how I got to know Austin so well. I was playing South by so much. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, and then just being on tour in general. We played, I think it was called the Fun 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 Fest down there. And um, just, I don't know, it's a great music city. It's just, a, it's a cool city in general. So it's 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 like the only place in Texas I would go. <laughs> okay. But yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's cool. I, I guess on that show, I mean, is it worth just kind of going through a bit of your your kind of journey through music, kind of what you've done, how you started, obviously, um, your experience with bands and now your work sure. you know, in, in yeah. production and engineering. Um, I guess, yeah, it takes back a bit to the start in terms of, um, yeah, I guess your introduction to music and, you know, I guess influences when you were young and how it all started. Totally. I mean, I guess like where it like really started for me was, was we have something called middle school here. I don't know if you guys have middle school, but it's basically yeah. uh, sixth grade. Um, and that's right when... That's, so I was in sixth grade in 1991. Nirvana Nevermind came out that year. And that was it, right? Like I was 11 and that was the best thing I'd ever heard. Mm-hmm. So it got me excited about rock music for the first time. But, you know, 11, 12 years old is like a really formative age when it comes to starting to develop just like a concept of like your identity through different artistic modes of expression. So um, music was like totally a catalyst for me in that way. And so I wanted a guitar. So for Christmas, I think it took me until Christmas 1992. Um, I wanted an electric guitar. I got an acoustic guitar, <laughs> but uh, my my parents seemed to think that learning on acoustic would be a better idea for me to do first. Um, I think they were probably right. Not that I agreed with them. Better idea the for them, them, I guess. Yeah, much, well. yeah, yeah, much yeah. better idea for them, particularly. Right, that's a good point. That's probably actually what was going yeah. on. I um, wanted to play drums when I was a kid and I ended yeah. up with a guitar, so. Totally, yeah. Um, yeah, and so I, I started playing, I started taking private lessons right away. Um, and then I, I really loved it, but I didn't take it really seriously until I was like 14, you know, air quotes really seriously, but mm-hmm. until I was 14, um, other kids that I went to school with, I went to a really, really small school. So like my graduating class was 39 kids. It's just like not, not that many to choose from. Right. But wow, a few man. of us, yeah, yeah. A few of us were like, dude, like we should make a band too. So I just, I was into skateboarding like since I was like, five or something like i'm wearing a pal peralta hoodie right now right so like um 
And so for that reason, that crossover with punk rock um, and skateboarding was like always like a really, like really entrenched. Um, so for me, it was a really natural transition to start listening to like Husker Du, Minor Threat, um, all of these like older punk bands. Uh, they were older than me, but they were, they were cool to me because it was like, I was always the young skater. So it was what like the kids at the park were listening to. Mm-hmm. And I was, I looked up to them cause they're older and better at skating than me. And I, in my mind, you know, I was going to be like a professional skater one day that did not happen. But, uh, <laughs> um, so like, I liked that. So naturally when I started playing music, like I just wanted to play punk rock. Um, and so that's what we did. So that was like the intro, um, fast forward a few years, a bunch of really shitty bands later. Um, like I was going to summer school because I favored going to the skate park more than I did English class. And, uh, I, I was at summer school and there was, there was a kid there. He had like, I don't know if you guys remember how old you guys are, but like at the time he had like the hemp necklace with like the beads in it. It was like, he had three X's in the beads. And so I walked up to him and I was like, Hey, like, are you straight edge? You know? And he's like, yeah, are you straight edge? I was like, yeah. And then, um, He's like, do you like Candiria? And I was like, I, and, and to be honest, I had no fucking idea who Candiria was. <laughs> right. but, it's, but of course I went, yeah. And so, <laughs> and he's like, cool. Like you should come to my band practice. And so I did. Um, I was like 17, had a car and I was like, yeah, cool. I'll come by. And I, so, like I said, my school was really, really small. So I was, I was big fish in the world's smallest pond. And I met these guys and they, they lived in a bigger city. And dude, like they were so much better than me. And I just wanted to hang out with these guys. So I was like, holy, like you guys are so good. So I was really impressed. So I just became like a barnacle to the, them. I, I just like stuck around like, wow, like, I want to, what I'm doing in my town is horrible comparatively. So um, I ended up getting asked to join that band. And that was my first tour, like, like right when I graduated high school. Um, they asked me to join because their guitar player is being a flake. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, cool. We're going on tour in a couple of weeks. And I was like, <laughs> all right. And, uh, and I didn't know, dude, we toured in a minivan. I remember I asked, I was like, should I bring like money and stuff? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and they're like, oh yeah. Yep. You're going to want that. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> you want to eat. Yeah. I would advise yeah, totally. bringing some money. Yeah. I didn't know, dude, I had no idea. I was like, so are there going to be like a thousand people at the, what are we doing? You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I, dude, I was so green. Maybe coming from a small town was good. Cause I, I just didn't know, but I was like, yeah, sure. And I remember we, we shortly after that, we went to, we toured Canada and I forgot to tell my mom, she had already left for work and I hadn't moved out yet. Like that's how young I was. Yeah. And well, you still I, um, like 17 at this point. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, I remember I just left a note on the counter and it just said, mom, uh, went to Canada. If there's an emergency, call Canada, see you in a couple of weeks. And, uh, yes. Yeah, so then I went out, she was obviously super pissed. I think she might still have that little piece of paper though. She, it's funny now. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Looking yeah. back for sure. Yeah, totally. And just through a graduation of like being in bands, touring and networking, I was in a band that no one knows about called pictures of Gabriel. That was the first band signed to Deathwish records, but we were just okay. young and we just didn't, we couldn't hold it together. So we, um, we broke up before our release came out. And so I think death Wish hit me up like earlier this year and asked me if they maybe want to do like a digital release of that. Cause that was supposed to be the first thing on death wish that wasn't 
converge or boy sets fire because because okay. trey there's two owners of death Wishers, jake and trey and trey was the the tour manager for boy sets fire and jake is obviously in converge mm-hmm. so like those were the first releases but aside from those releases we were going to be like i don't know the the, the first one and uh, we totally screwed it up so, and then i spent like another like seven years um thinking that because i was like 19 when that happened thinking like oh this is just how it goes i make a band and i get signed and like everyone loves me and it'll be awesome yeah. and it's like totally not how it goes and uh so i started to feed her when i was like 27 28 and then i had all the experience of like getting kicked around and not meeting the expectations that i had thought i was going to meet Got and it, so yeah. by the time defeater got some traction and we started touring like pretty regularly i knew to cherish it like way more and how to nurture it way better because i wasn't that 19 like yeah anymore. yeah yeah <laughs> um how, how quickly did did the kind of signing to bridge nine happen after after oh uh, it's pretty quick okay so well here's what happened so right before defeater um my friend andy who was the original drummer of defeater and he plays in death of a nation with me now he and i were seeing like we were we were playing in like because oh, I've always like bands like at the drive-in uh, Mars Volta Sparta like that world and so we were playing like some weird polyrhythmic melodic bullshit right and I saw all my friends hardcore bands in Boston hardcore is such a big deal at that time so I, I was like no offense like we're so much better musicians than these people you know and <laughs> I was like we should like we should start a hardcore band let's make it a joke and so we we did we thought we'd last like six months we let my roommate name it and I was like, yeah, name it anything you want. And he's like, name it sluts. And so we were like, sluts. And so we we're like, all right, well, we said you could name it whatever you want. And so we literally, so <laughs> sluts, the band, um, let me find it on Spotify. Uh, <laughs> we decided, we got this crazy idea that we were going to follow Warp Tour around. And we we're going to plan a tour basically around like where Warp Tour went. But okay. we were going to get to Warp Tour every morning, 6, 7 a.m., and we were going to break in every day and we were going to sell like CDs to people at Warp Tour. Like and it was crazy, dude. Like the first I had to break into Tiger Stadium in Detroit and I literally didn't know what to do. It was the first time we ever tried this. Yeah. Got, like fucking security guards and stuff. And I was like, what am I going to do? Yeah. So I like a, like literally like out of a sitcom, I grabbed uh, I grabbed like I saw a bunch of people bringing like boxes of oranges in. Mm hmm. Well, of course, they're in uniform. I'm not, right? And I just got right behind the last guy. I grabbed a box of oranges. I put my CDs under the box, and I just hugged like the back of that guy as he walked in. And the security guard was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you guys are the oranges guys, cool." And then I just, I just like went in, and then I was like, "I cannot believe that just worked." And that is hustling I, like, for you, dude. Right? And then so. <laughs> we i found like i saw a porta potty and i was like sweet i went into the porta potty i just sat in there for like an hour and a half looking through the little perforations waiting for it to like fill in Mm because you're supposed to have a wristband like all this stuff i just like had to wait for it to fill in more so i could kind of mix in and anyway we were doing that with your your 500 oranges yeah i put the i put the oranges down (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i put the oranges next to the porta potty maybe someone grabbed them but um so yeah, so like we were doing that, and there was a label there called Top Shelf Records. They're actually out of Massachusetts oh, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, we had some loose connection. Like the Top Shelf dudes sort of knew who we were, and vice versa. And so we would ask Top Shelf, like, "Hey, can we hide our boxes of CDs like just under your table? And we'll go out, we'll hustle, whatever." And they're like, "Yeah, it's fine." And then you know, a couple of days in, they're like, 
what are you guys doing exactly? And we're like, well, we booked a tour around Warp Tour. We're not playing Warp Tour. We're definitely not <laughs> supposed to be here. We're breaking in every day. We're trying to find used wristbands so we can collect all the colors. So we look like we're supposed to. We could have gone to Staples and bought wristbands. You know, it was right. like ridiculous. But in the meantime, it was like Mission Impossible. I'm trying to steal people's bracelets so we can be at Warp Tour. And um, yeah, so they're like, that's crazy. So when it came, and they saw us hustling records. They just saw us working really hard. Oh, the other thing we did that was like, made the whole thing profitable. Uh, this is very not like 2021 acceptable anymore, but we made stickers, vinyl stickers that say, I heart sluts. That is the, that is the perfect thing to sell at Warp Tour. Like right. you just walk around with those and biker moms and weird dudes are just like, like, yo, let me get a sticker. And so we're just crushing each stickers a buck. Right. So right. we sold like 10,000 stickers. Oh, wow. On yeah. The tour. yeah. On the tour. Yeah. And so like we were living good, you know? And so we're, crushing it with the stickers we're pushing our music and then we'd have to take off every day like 3 4 p.m because we you know our show would be a couple of hours outside of whatever warp tour date that was mm -hmm. so we go play the show well problem with warp tour is it's really meant as a bus tour so <laughs> like they expect that you'll play warp tour you'll get on your bus have a couple beers get in your bunk and then your driver who's been sleeping all day will drive you to the next one you wake up rinse and repeat well, it's not really how it works when you're a bunch of scrappy punk kids in a van. You just were at Warp Tour at 6 a.m. You broke in. You hustled all day. You drove two hours. You played a show. Well, the next Warp Tour is nine hours away. Oh, God. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're like, oh, all right, who's taking first shift? And just like Red Bull and coffee and just do it again. So anyway, Top Shelf Records was just like, you guys are out of your goddamn mind. And we want to put out your next record because you're just wow. working so hard. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we're like, cool. So then <laughs> so the original Defeater record, Travels, um, was written by Andy Wrights, who I just mentioned earlier, and myself. And right. our our singer at the time um wasn't having a good go of getting the vocals done. He was really frustrated. He's also going just through some stuff like personally. And I remember we were hanging out trying to get the record done, and he was like Someone was like, oh, that's so spontaneous. And he goes, yeah, just like when I bought my ticket to Hawaii. And I was like, what ticket to Hawaii? You're going to Hawaii? He's like, yeah, Thursday. And I was like, oh. this Thursday. Yeah. And uh, he's like, yeah. I was like, are you coming back? He's like, I don't think so. Oh. I was like, why are we recording vocals? <laughs> 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 and so now I had this record. Um, that was Mike. Mike took off. And now I had this record that was basically done like I, I mostly mixed it and it was done we we're just mm -hmm. trying to get vocals on it and i had to hunt around um and i bumped into a dude at a record store in new hampshire not too far from here um and we started talking that ended up being the singer defeater i asked him to come down we tried out a, a few people but that was the fit and then from there we were just like all right here we go like we, the record was done and mm -hmm. so i i talked to top shelf and i said hey like we're probably gonna change the name no offense like being our band being called sluts really isn't our favorite thing. Um, and <laughs> not particularly marketable either, really probably for that from a label perspective. No, yeah, exactly. No, like no, like great bands are going to be like, you know who should we bring out as our two of four on the support tour? Sluts. Yes. <laughs> it's just like not going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, we changed the name, kind of changed the aesthetic, but so that record, uh, the first record travels was written as though like it was going to be the second sluts LP, but we just sort of like, we're like, well, change, change plans. Yeah. And then from there, dude, 
um, I Bridge Nine, Death Wish, and Century Media hit me up all within like the same week. We were getting some traction and doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember, I remember Carl, who's now at Epitaph, actually down down the road. Fast forward would be part of the reason we signed Epitaph. But um, Carl, um, who was the label manager at Bridge Nine at the time, called me. Cause I was doing, I was recording a lot of records for bridge nine at the time. Right. So I was recording, uh, you know, dead swans and like, uh, I can't remember about a verse and all this stuff. So, yeah. so, so your, your, that career kind of started in between, um, I guess your early bands and your later bands then. So. Yeah, totally. Like I'd been recording for a while, like back when no one liked my band, I was already recording and then I was actually already recording full time. So here in Boston, I was doing a ton of work. So I started doing work for, for the local labels, some of which are the hardcore labels. So like Death Wish and like Bridge Nine. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And so when my band started like to get some traction, it was kind of an easy conversation to have with Chris Wren, who owns uh, Bridge Nine, um, about licensing the vinyl version of Defeater Travels. So that was like our gateway onto Bridge Nine. But we just worked our asses off, dude. And um, so because I was already recording records like yeah. in Boston for Bridge Nine, Death Wish, whatever, um it was a pretty easy conversation and easy transition next thing you know they're licensing the vinyl version of travels um after that we put out lost ground and that's like really where like we got some traction so when, when did you end up over, over here then when did um like i assume it's with defeat you you your first introduction to the uk from a touring perspective it was we uh, what was it oh yeah carl who signed us to bridge nine um was called me and he just said hey um Polar Bear Club and Ruiner need an opener. A horrible financial mistake in the short term, <laughs> right. but it ended up being um, it ended up being way worth it because you know we st- we got our feet wet when it came to international touring on that tour. So we got paid seventy five dollars a night, like uh, a full like UK run for a couple of weeks. Um, but it was fine. But that was like in June, so the UK is like super nice in June. And I just remember being like, "Wow, this place is like magical. I love this." Yeah, you've certainly got the best of the weather over here in June. Um, if you came now, you probably wouldn't be as uh, mind you. You're probably well seasoned to it. Yeah, over there. I've also done tours in uh, December in the UK, and that's okay. not nearly as fun. I was just going to say, any particular favorite stop offs when you've been been over here? Well, you know, for us, like you hear about London your whole life, probably no matter where you live. So right. that was pretty amazing. And so we played the underworld. Um, that was probably one of the better shows um, of the tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did play some academies and stuff on that, but yeah, that, I just, I think, and we did that early in the tour. So for me, it was just insane. Like I'm getting off of a plane. I'm in London because I wrote punk songs with my friends. And that's a yeah, very that's pretty mad, isn't it? Dude, and I didn't know anything, so I didn't have like the adapters. Like, I wanted to charge my oh my BlackBerry. That really dates it. My BlackBerry at the time, <laughs> I wanted to charge. And um, you guys got those big ass wall plugs, so I just I just assumed the entire world had the exact <laughs> same plug. So right. I was like, yeah, I'll bring my charger. Cool. I didn't understand there's like a completely different power standard, like depending on where you are. And that it changes when you go to mainland Europe, and then it changes when you're in Switzerland, and then it changes when you're in Australia. Um, I didn't know any of that stuff. So, yeah, my first purchase in England, uh, I want to say our first show was in Bristol. And I just remember walking down the street, like with my charger, like, I need to figure this out. 
And so I was just going into shops that looked like they might have anything that could help me basically mm-hmm. the equivalent of like an American radio shack or something. And, um, I went in and I fucking couldn't believe it. I found one. I felt like I had just discovered like treasure. I was like, I can charge my phone now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that was cool. The weather was great. The shows were awesome. I was kind of a psycho on that tour. I was like going through a breakup. So it was just like a whole mess of mm-hmm. like, so I landed in, I think London and I just got a text from my girlfriend who was ugh, talk about like, don't shit where you eat. Who was the, who worked for bridge nine. My girlfriend at the time worked for bridge nine. She was a PR person and I landed. And when I landed, she just said, she's done. And I was like, Oh, oh cool. And so I'm like, you know, like you're like deplaning. You're like in that little row and everyone's like grabbing their bags out of the yeah, overhead yeah, yeah. compartment and stuff. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like doing that. And I'm looking at my phone. Everyone's like, are you okay? I was like, I just got dumped. Right. <laughs> and so it was just like, it was a really surreal experience. And, um, a guy named by the name of Paul Catton, um, drove us on that tour. And so Paul picked us up and I remember he, he just looked at me and he, I was just being weird because I just got dumped and he was trying to be all jovial and cool with everybody and everyone's trying to have a good time. But all the dudes know that I'm like super bummed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. But it was worth it. Whatever. So um, I, I guess Epitaph came along a little bit, bit later in the Defeater journey, yeah. right? I mean, that must totally. have been pretty, pretty big deal for you at the time. Right? Yeah, dude, it was. Um, well, we put out Empty Days and Sleepless Nights a couple of records later. That was the biggest record Defeater ever did, probably ever will do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember Carl, I was at dinner. Once again, Carl keeps rearing his head into these stories. I had already moved over to Epitaph. And he said, hey, can I can I sign you guys yet or what? And I said, actually, you can't, Carl, because when you were at Bridge Nine, you signed us to a three LP deal. So I got to do another one here first. So it was interesting because I knew there was interest from Epitaph before I even wrote the last record for Bridge Nine, you know? And so I was like, and we just put this out, you know, we're going to do a two or three year cycle mm-hmm. on this record before I put out the next one. And then there's going to be a couple of years before we put out the next one. So it was like, I could almost see Epitaph as a possibility, but it was, it was like a five year thing. I just knew it was going to be way down the road. And then when we, um, the band kept growing, put out Letters Home on Bridge Nine, and that's we were <laughs> we were playing, we were actually playing Warped Tour. I wasn't just breaking in and hiding in the porta potties. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. nice, <laughs> nice change. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we were actually playing Warped Tour, and um, I got a call from our manager, and he's like, "Hey," I was like, "What's up?" He's like, uh, "Brett Gurowitz wants to sign your band. When you can do a phone call." And I was like, any fucking time Brett Gurowitz wants. <laughs> <laughs> Huge. And yeah, dude, I was outside of a Waffle House in, I think, St. Louis, St. Louis or Memphis. And that was when it was scheduled. And I was just like, all right. And, uh, and it, it went down just like that. Phone rang. And I was like, oh, it's a California number. And I was like, hello. He's like, hey, what's up, man? Is this Jay? I go, yeah, what's up? He goes, hey, this is Brett. Yo, I really like your band. I want to sign your band. That's how it worked. And I was wow. like, okay. And, and I said, well, we're really big fans of the label, dude. Um, and so I think this would be a good home for us. It'd be a good fit. Um, that's what happened. And the thing, the thing was interesting about it was that we, um, we, ha- we had a suspicion because Felicia, who I think still works at Epitaph, 
was just randomly speaking of Texas, was just like randomly at one of our shows in Texas. And I was like, what are you doing here? You live in Silver Lake, California. And she's like, and she kind of gave me this look like, I think you know what I'm doing here. And I was like, ah, sick. And then shortly after everything happened, um, but then the lawyers duked it out. Like, um, Brett was real cool, man. Like, uh, you know, there were some things about the deal that um, our lawyer was like, nope. And I was like, yo, I'm trying to sign an epitaph, dude. Like, can we just say yes, right? And he's like, I remember his words were, I'm a deal maker, not a deal breaker, baby. And I was like, I fucking hope so, dude. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he got, he had all this stuff worked out. And we got a great contract out of it. Um, it was awesome. And yeah, signed epitaph. Got to put out a record on like, this blows my mind because I was like, whatever, 14 years old buying Offspring Smash, right? Sure. And then now like, Right. That little logo is on the back of my record. It's pretty crazy. But but yeah. was it was it not long after that 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 you kind of took a step back from Defeater? Yeah, actually, it's true. Yeah, I have a sto- I have a story for that as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we were in we were in Germany, and I just like, I. It, so tour's tough. I've been touring, as you know, since the moment I got out of high school, mm-hmm. um, and it, the other thing that tour does, just like I got dumped on the plane in in London tour is like when you're touring a lot, it's really, really hard on your social relationships. You're just never around. Right. So you've got like your tour family and then like you come home and you're like, I'm making records. I'm like really busy in the studio and you only have so much time, you know, and I was married and like, dude, my wife, my first wife just had enough. She just, so, and I, I found out about that literally like flew to Australia. She was kind of being weird. And then, we had, it was just a couple of days later. I was at a rest stop. It, I, you know, I'm just like one to call shit out. So I was like, "Hey, you're fucking weird," you know. And yeah, she's like, yeah. "Well, I don't." I, she's like, "I don't know how I feel." And I was like, "Like divorce? You don't know how you feel?" And she's like, "I'm not sure." I'm like, "I'm not sure is a yes." <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Um, it must be hard as well. I mean, in those situations, if you're around, you've got the opportunity to just kind of flesh it out and figure it out. But when you're on right. the other side of the fucking world, right? It's Totally. That was, and that was, that was two days into, um, like a two month long tour. So we were doing on that tour, we were doing Australia, UK. We played download fest on that tour. Um, yeah. Uh, all of mainland Europe, Russia, the middle East. Right. So it was like kind of a half world tour type thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think she just used that as a moment to like, that was a moment where for her not being into confrontation, <laughs> she could sort of just like get two months to just get her shit and whatever. So it was crazy. Like I, I remember just being on that tour, uh, being in Germany and looking around and seeing like, I was in the same like catering line as Davey Havoc and Judas Priest and Pennywise. <laughs> and like, you know, it, I don't know. I, to be fair, my life was like, really upside down at that point because like you know going through divorce sucks especially because i remember i i told her i was like hey let me just come home you know like let me just come home we'll, we'll get a fill-in like we'll figure this out and I, she was like you know i don't i really don't want you to come home so it's like oh all right cool so i'm just gonna sit here on tour and rot <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. and um yeah it was rough dude and so i was just looking around and i kind of realized that you know dreams and stuff like everything I wanted to do, I with in that capacity, kind of done, you know, like download festivals really big. Um, Like, like we played Gros Rock in Belgium and 
I played Australia. I was in Moscow. Like, yeah. you know, it, you know, it's like we were doing this and it was cool. And I think to, I, I was never in love with touring in the first place. It was just sort of the thing you do to grow your art. But I was like really yes. in love with making art, you know? So I realized I could, you know, it's interesting, interesting to get to that point and get that perspective, because if you're not the right person for that, like you can look at that catering line and you can say, if I keep doing this, like I'm going to be in the equivalent to this catering line. That's it. This is it. You show up. Maybe like my band plays a little later in the day. You know what I mean? Like maybe, mm -hmm. but I understand I get on the plane. We've got the back line. We bring the merch. We make the records. I'm at the festival. Like I totally get it. And there was just this like, weird moment of clarity where I'm getting my like fucking sloppy chicken out of the catering line, you know? And I'm just like, right, this is what this is. And it's really cool. And I worked really, really hard to get here. Yeah. But my, I, I don't know what you would call it, like my mood or like my, uh, just, just the way I looked at it changed. And I think that was pretty easily reflected like externally too. I think people could kind of tell like the, the shine of the dream had worn off for me just a little bit. It, okay. And so that, you know, and the other guys were like, they were like gung ho still. And I was, I was kind of like, let's slow down. The other thing too, I, I was being really honest about like the, the trajectory and the arc of the band. You know, I look at the numbers, I look at the shows and all that stuff. And, you know, we, we signed an epitaph and we were supposed to do like some ridiculous number of first week sales. Well, we did a fifth of the sales on Epitaph that we did on our last record on Bridge Nine. Oh wow! So okay. that was really telling to me, and I had a really honest conversation. I was I remember walking around Denver. It's funny how I have all these places like stuck in my mind from these conversations. I was just walking around yeah. Denver with a coffee, and again, my manager calls me. He goes, "Yeah, we got the first week, you know, numbers in," and we talked about it. And I was like, "Dude, to me, this is those numbers don't reflect a f why the fuck are we touring full time? It just doesn't." Like it doesn't reflect like something that's worth touring full time on. Like I'm really excited that we made the art and really proud of that. But like, he's like, well, you know, that's a consideration, but I, you know, I, for what it's worth, I, I felt like at the time, by the end we were touring full time because it paid money and I had other avenues to make money. And it, so like that wasn't an incentivizer for me anymore. So we just like, that, and that put me in a, a different position, like with the rest of the guys, where it's just like, I don't want to hold you back, but like, I'm not trying to be on the road fucking six months, dude. I already like, like, I don't love it. I already like lost a wife, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. it's a yeah. lot, you know? Yeah. So was, there's that line, like, uh, dreams cost money, but money costs dreams, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, like that, the balance between that is, is really hard to walk. And I, I, I guess once, once you made that decision, did you kind of settle straight back into yeah i guess this i guess the life you have now is it a, a journey straight into yeah, um... sort of yeah like i mean it was crazy like so i find out that like you know i'm gonna be getting a divorce and very shortly after that i'm fucking wasted in sydney australia at a pizza place and i i just asked this pretty girl to dance i actually cut in she was dancing with my drummer and um and i just said ah nah i'm gonna dance with this girl uh, anyway, that's my wife now. Oh, and, nice. Um, nice. Yeah. 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 So I just asked a pretty girl to dance, dude. Um, and so she's, she, really so she's Australian. Yeah. Yeah. My wife's oh, from okay. Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and she, um, 
yeah, dude, we just fell in love super quick. And it was really complicated because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't being public about like what was going on with my marriage, but like the dudes could obviously see like, why is Jay talking to this girl so much? Right. And, um, so that was tough. And, um, it, so it was just weird, but Jesse, my wife was like really great. I told her, I was like, I got to figure out what's going on like with my marriage and all that sure, stuff before sure. we can like get too deep here. It was tough because like you can't control feelings, you know? So like you, you feel a certain way. So it's really exciting. Like you're really compelled to like, you talk all day long every day, you know, you're, I'm sure being super annoying to like everybody else because like, you're just obsessed. Like you just like found this person that you just want to talk to all the time. And, um, <clears throat> so yeah. So like when, you know, when the band and I separated, um, I, you know, I just made sense of going to full-time producing and then I just, I just asked Jesse, you know, I was like, like, Oh, she was actually already, she was already here for a three week stint to like come see me. Mm-hmm. Um, I flew her over. This was the second time I had flown her to the States and, um, yeah, dude. And I realized I'm not a band anymore. And so I just said like, do you want to never go home? You know? Mm-hmm. And she was like, I would love to never go home. You know, well, at least we'll go back there for vacations. So we went, this is such a funny thing. We went to, um, a lawyer. Cause I was like, well, I don't know how any of this works. Cause I think it's illegal for you to just be here forever. So we should probably figure out how this works. Yeah. So we got an immigration attorney um, and we're sitting in the office in downtown Boston. And she's like, well, you can go this way. There's like a work one. There's a fiance one. But if you do the fiance one, you got to do the marriage one anyway. But really the easiest one's the marriage one. And um, like, you know, it's really up to you guys. And I, I remember I said, I said, well, we should probably do the marriage one. And it's like, okay, cool. And I didn't even think about how completely ridiculous that was. Right. How long, how long were in were you at that point? Just a few months, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a few months. Um, and so we're like, cool. And we decided we were like going to go get some food after that. So we were, we were out on the sidewalk. <laughs> Jesse loves telling this story. And she's like, so <clears throat> the definition of like, uh, being engaged is like intent to marry, right? I was like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, right. And she's like, and you just told the lawyer that uh, we're going to get um, like a marriage visa. I was like, ah, yeah. And she's like, so I'm like, oh, fuck, right. So uh, we're engaged. And um, so it was really, dude, it's, it's like the worst proposal ever. A year or two later, I made it up to her because I realized it was like the absolute worst proposal of all time. Um, <laughs> and we did, I did a really romantic proposal and surprised her with a new proposal, like in front oh, of nice. like all our friends and family, like later. Yeah. But um, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. And so we just went to lunch and, and she's like, can I like tell people? Um, and mind you, this is so fucked up. I had finalized my divorce. Like I went to court, did the thing. Two days before that, wow. but I know I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that I was gonna. I, I just went to the meeting to figure out what was going on. Like, what are the laws? Like, what yeah, do I yeah. need? What do I need to know? Yeah, and then so technically speaking, I was, <laughs> I was single for two days. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how life works out sometimes. Eh? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, and you are happily married still with 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 kids. Oh yeah, is that right? Is it is it just one what what one 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 kid you have? Sorry. Yeah, we got we got Dean Little Rugrat. He's the best dude. Um, yeah. So yeah, we we um, shit. I mean, dude, if you could tell me, so like, I left for that tour May. It was May twentieth or May twenty fifth of two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, 
I, within less than a year, I was not in defeater anymore. I was not married to that person anymore. I was married within that year to someone I met in Australia and we were having a kid. And I was just, <laughs> what a year, you know? That's crazy. Absolutely. So of course all my friends are just like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm okay. This is fucked up. It's crazy, but I'm okay. Yeah. So let's, I mean, let's, um, let's chat about, I guess your, your, um, I guess your more recent production career then. So, um, I guess we could start with what, I, I, what is your, I mean, what have been your, your best projects today and what have you, you know, what have you, <clears throat> well, and I guess what you're working yeah. on now, we can move on to. Totally. So, um, I've, I've done a lot of stuff like right at the end of defeat. I did like that last Bane record that went well, but yeah, I'll be honest. There's, um, there's a, a record by a band who I think if they tour and stuff, it's going to blow up. Um, it's a band called Cali Mossy. They're from Chicago. Um, and just check it out. They just put out, I did an LP for them. I want to say 2016. Um, but then they flew out. I did that one in Chicago at Atlas Studios that like, right. where they recorded Alkaline Trio and shit. And then um, they came to Boston to my studio here um, in, last year around this time. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we started in February last year. And so they have a single out called the, I think it's called The Stray from their what's going to be their upcoming new release it's it's ridiculous it's a very very good record um and the band is full of the sweetest people and hyper talented so i'm hoping so brett speaking of brett when they put out their last record my phone rang i had gotten a new phone it was really funny and i was like i was like hello and i get this call and it's hey jay what's up man and i was like i was like who's this and i just hear him chuckle he goes Brett Gerwitz and I was like Brett <laughs> what's up dude and uh and he's like hey talk to me about this talk to me about this Cali Mossy band and um I was like you should sign them they're fucking awesome it didn't end up happening um <laughs> but they um regardless you know they're of the caliber you know it's not often that my phone randomly rings and Brett wants to know right he's like this came across my desk this fucking rules tell me about it Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I would, I would put that out there. Like definitely listen to that record when it comes out, listen to the single now. It's, it's super good. Uh, you've been doing a lot of stuff with, um, rebuilder recently. I, I see like they, they, <laughs> yeah. they seem to be getting a bit bigger. Like, cause I remember hearing about them a couple of years back. Yeah. Sal's awesome. They're, they're a great band. I just did a live stream for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It came, yeah. It came out awesome. And I think, I think they're, I'm pushing them to release the audio cause it came out so well as just like a, do something with it because okay. it's it's just it's just a really fun uh recording that we did it live um in a barn it sounds great and um they should put that out but yeah they're they're totally they're yeah they're great i mean and like like so many it's funny like so many of the artists that i work with that seem to do well like we it, it's one of the best parts of the job it's like we develop like a real close relationship and friendship with so you know sal from rebuilder is over here all the time he's always bringing these fucking insane hot sauces that he makes me try and um and, you know like and then sam the singer of cali Mossy, like we're i said we're going down to austin next month and i think he's going to come down with his girlfriend you know meet us down there and hang okay. out a little bit too yeah it's just like it's just way cooler it, i mean there's a commerce part of it too but between us you know like I, i've done a lot of things 
where I don't have to depend on recording as a source of income. I do it because I really love it. Um, that's not to say that I'm like the cheapest guy in town or anything, but you know, I bought um, a bunch of multifamily real estate here in Massachusetts. Um, and just the moment Jesse walked into the bedroom with the pregnancy test and I looked at it and I said, plus means baby. And she said, yep. And I was like, whoo. And <laughs> so that when, the moment that happened, I was like, all right, well, I can't just, I can't just rely on being a punk kid anymore. Like I'm about to have a, have a kid. Um, so I, I started investing uh, and I started investing, uh, learning a lot. And I, I invested in some real estate in, in central Massachusetts. Um, so that's been really good. And I started a bunch of stuff. I have a mentoring program. Um, I started doing content. So I became the face of pro audio for reverb.com recently. Um, I'm talking to waves audio about doing the same thing for them. Um, and I'm CEO of a company called Monster, and it's, um, it's a really great sounding, um, mastering artificial intelligence platform. So like, uh, typically you go to mastering engineer, whatever it is, mastering's always been this thing, right? Where, um, you do your mix and it's like this nebulous, dark art where like, all right, we have to get it mastered. And so you yeah. send it to the mastering guy and you just fucking hope it comes out how you want it to. And I've always found that process to be weird because the artist like all your mixed notes, like all your notes are always about the product that isn't actually going to be the product. Right. And I was like, how do we solve that problem? Um, and so we did solve it. So we're starting to, so that exists now. It's awesome. It's out. Most of the features, basically all the features I want are in there. So we're going to start pushing that as well um, and gaining users. But it's a monthly subscription service where you get unlimited cloud storage, unlimited collaboration tools, unlimited mastering with different, like three different mastering algorithms based if you're doing like um, singer songwriter stuff, rock stuff, or maybe like more like hip hop type stuff. And um, yeah, it sounds super good. Um, we use it all the time. And so now I'm trying to educate and onboard engineers and artists to use this platform and sort yeah. of like take away the veil of like, why are we, why are we making notes? Why are we commenting? on mixes when mixes aren't the product that people are going to hear, right? The reason is, is because mastering always takes a long time and getting mastering revisions takes forever. So it's like, what if we could fix that? What if there was a platform we uploaded shit to, sounds great, and then let's make our notes on what's going to be the forward facing, like consumer fan facing product that makes way more sense than making does. our notes. Yeah, making our notes on something that's not even going to be the thing. So I've been working on that every day. Um, I have a great developer, Joe, what's up? He lives in New York, works for, works for Reddit as well. And um, yeah, um, and it's, it's our baby, dude. It's, um, it's great. It already makes a bunch of money and it's like, it's people love it. And just like our, our subscriber churn rate is only like 1.4%. Like once people actually get their like hooks into the platform, they stick around because it's like, it's very disruptive and I'm sure every, I'm a mastering engineer, first of all, right? right. But like, yeah. I'm sure every mastering engineer in the world right now is like, dude, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, it's, it's really cool. So link that, check, everyone check that out because it's, uh, yeah. I like future shit and I like technology. Nice. We'll link that for sure. Busy yeah. man, a very busy man. How yeah. Are you, I mean, how, how are you finding kind of navigating your way through everything during the kind of pandemic as, as much as your approach had to change much? I mean, how's, how's that working out for you? Yeah, it's like, it's okay. We're lucky we have a house. The studio's here. I've got like an acre of land. So when the weather's not shitty, um, you know, we can, I can take my son out and we can kick the ball around and have a good time. Um, but 
yeah, we take it pretty seriously. Um, we're looking very much, we're looking forward to the vaccine. But like today when I'm done with this podcast, um, my wife runs her own business and she's got to go to her office and crush some stuff this weekend. So, you know, it's me and little man and we got to like sit inside all day, but it's freezing and we can't like, it's not like we can go to like a, we used to go to like when it's cold in Boston, we'd go to these indoor playgrounds where, um, you know, you could run crazy. There's other kids there and like there's coffee for dad and it's cool, but like that's the last place you want to go right now. So uh, it's just a bunch of kids like touching everything and sneezing yeah. on each other. So, so you can't do it. Um, so like, yeah, so the pandemic is, is tricky for everybody. I, I would say most people have it way worse than we do, but there's still things to navigate. I'm lucky, right? Like <clears throat> I run my company remotely. My, my company's like, I've got property management for the real estate. I got a studio here. I mix and master every day. So mm-hmm. like, like, so I'm kind of unaffected other than it's just sucky to not be able to interact with people as freely as you want to just like the same problems everybody has like yeah yeah, yeah it's just boring <laughs> yeah. yeah well we're back in a national lockdown now so oh yeah um so yeah well, our numbers have started to go back through the roof so yeah um, vac- vaccines start just start to be rolled out so totally. fingers crossed yeah. you know three four months down and hopefully be in a better position but yeah the estimates i've heard it's going to be something like people are hoping by the end of the summer things are back ish my thing i'm not i'm not putting a deadline on anything because dude like <laughs> i remember when this thing broke out and every you know everyone was like dude can you believe it we're gonna be locked down for like three weeks what the fuck <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah. it's a year and a half or whatever like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a year now right almost yeah. yeah so like by the time it's gonna be done it's gonna be probably a year and a half um and and if you look back because i remember doing research like about you know pandemic it was 1918 Spanish flu or whatever, ironically not from Spain, but um, yeah, it, I think that was about a year and a half at least too, for the whole thing to run its course. It's just like pandemic's pandemic, you know? So exactly. it's going to take a while. Yep. We've only got two weeks left of a couple of weeks left of the Trump administration though. So yeah, I know that dude is literally one of the, it has to be, he's going to go down in history as like one of the worst people ever yeah um yeah good yeah. good job buddy um yeah i mean i have some really strong opinions on like the the reason i came out of retirement and started a new project which is called death of a nation um it's because of it's because of the state of our country it's a, a polarizing state it's because of these a lot of bullshit going on and and uh, all this fascist crap and yeah. so we um i started a band i i I called upon the singer of a, a band I had produced in the late 2000s, a band called Verse. He's, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so he fronts our band, and he's uh, an amazing, amazingly thoughtful, intelligent lyricist in person, and to, to me, still has the best scream in all of hardcore. Um, and so Andy and I and, um, and, and Quinn from Verse – uh are doing this project and we've been writing recently particularly i remember you know the other day when our fucking capital got invaded by dumbass thugs <laughs> I, I i just couldn't i was just beside myself and i wrote two songs i wrote two songs that night i just ugh. the united states is fucked up right now i hope very much that um things chill out but it is just ruthless and we did a cross country trip over the summer. Like we were like, what do we do? What do we do with our time? So uh, Andy, who I keep mentioning, yeah, owns a van yeah. rental company called uh, Green Vans. 
he's got like 90 vans or something. Um, so we took one of his vans. I put, we took all the seats out of it. We flipped some of the seats around. We made like a mini living room in the back. I took my wife, I took Andy, I took my kid. And we drove from Boston to Seattle from, to surprise my grandmother for her 80th birthday. We were really careful. Oh, nice. So we got tested before. Yeah, I got tested before we left and then <clears throat> made sure we were safe and surprised grandma for her 80th. Um, it was good. But I'll tell you what, dude, you know, when you forget, you know, you live in Boston, you know, I'm from Seattle. I grew, I grew up partly in California mm-hmm. and you fucking forget, like you start driving <laughs> in- inland and different attitude yeah oh dude it was it was just crazy we stopped in south dakota at a place called wall drug and i thought it'd be funny it's this kitschy little tourist trap thing it was not funny i i literally saw a 15 year old girl walking with her dad with a shirt that said fuck your feelings trump 2020 i was just like (laughs) like yo (laughs) yo you are a little girl what the fuck are you doing with that shirt and also just like that that mode of thinking is so horrible like how how is anything going to work without some like inherent level of empathy for one another and for our situations yeah and it's like what do you so can i say fuck your feelings like what's what's the what's the point here it's really weird brighter times ahead though hopefully yeah it would be hard to get worse fuck (laughs) (laughs) don't tempt the don't tempt the universe right come on I, dude for real we got like a global pandemic or we have the worst like death count in the entire world like we totally bumbled it and our fucking capital is getting like invaded by like maga dumbasses you know it's like what now yeah. <laughs> okay cool we were gonna do this top five of last year weren't we chris i don't know if jay you've got and got you've you've had a think about it or brought anything i did i probably already forgot on. but i did yeah Okay. okay. Yeah. Should yeah, we dive into that? Yeah. Why not? Um. And then we can maybe wrap this this thing up. Um. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this has been really cool. Um. Nick, what do you reckon? Should we like all list our fives, or should we like do like one and go round and do it like that? What do you reckon would work better? Probably should have discussed this beforehand. Sorry. Sorry about that, Jay. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I'm trying to. There's a couple that I'm just got to make sure this. I found it. I found it really. Okay. I found it really difficult to be honest with you, and I don't think they're in a particular order either. So, um, yeah. how let's about just do like on, on number fives and fours, and then threes and twos and ones? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll try. It's gonna take let, okay, let let let's do it like that. Gives us all some time to think in between. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, 2019. Yeah, totally. We can do the fives. So should I start? Mine are not 100 percent not in order. Um, yeah. No. No. Mine. Okay. Mine. Mine. Neither. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So my, uh, my, my number five, this is going to be one that no one's going to expect from me on. is, uh, is music to be murdered by, by Eminem. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's really good. It's really good. It's, I, there will be nothing else on my list like that, but You go next, Nick. So my number five. um, Well, I guess on a side note to this, I've I've listened to a lot of Frank Turner's live album this year that he released. It was live. It was his live. It was like a storyteller album. It was live recorded in Newcastle, which obviously I didn't I didn't go to. But um, my number five is No Effects. 
um, version of Ballad of Me and My Friends. So, <laughs> yeah, no effects cool. to the split with Frank Turner. Yeah. It's really good. Um, yeah, it's yeah really good. I actually prefer the no effects versions of Frank Turner songs rather than the Frank Turner no effects sure. songs. Um, so, I went with Ballad of Me and My Friends. It's one of my favorite Frank Turner songs. Um, I do love Thatcher Fuck the Kids as well. So, that's my <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot of fun that. that, that. Yeah, so my first one is actually, um, it's Good Charlotte, and uh, they put out a song called Last December, just before Christmas, but I've got a, like a special reason that this is in my top five. Basically, um, not to bring the mood down, but like my father-in-law-to-be like passed away suddenly like just before Christmas, yeah, so it's been, yep. you know, which has obviously been, been quite a rough time, but... Um, so this was like the day after or, or maybe two days after I just looked at my new releases and I saw I saw a new Good Charlotte song and it said last December and I was just like, I love Good Charlotte, but this sounds like it's going to be like one of their Christmas songs, which I enjoy normally, but I'm not in the mm. mood for listening to, to it. But I gave it a spin anyway. And straight away, it's kind of like a poignant song. And I'd heard that, that the twins dad had passed away last year. And I was like, this sure. sounds like it was written about their dad and like the lyric, because it was kind of like, you know, a bittersweet song. And I was like, this is like exactly what I want to listen to right now. And like kind of gave me a little lift, but we were doing some stuff with their older brother, Josh for our Christmas episode. And I, I messaged him telling him that. And like, he came back with a really nice email and he said, yeah, this song was written a week ago about our dad passing away last year. And I was just like, Oh, damn dude. That was, wow. That's a, that's a really apt thing. Yeah. 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 Totally. um, Yeah. It's been, it's actually randomly been a help like the last week. So that's my first one. I'll not, I'll not, I'll not ramble on, on all of mine in that. No, totally. It's, I mean, as much as it has obviously some really deep sentiment, you couldn't get away with having a top five without a good Charlotte song in your top five either, Chris. That's uh, true. Being the the fan that you are. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is a small artist um, from Montana. Everyone should check her out. Uh, she goes by Wilma Laverne Minor, um, and there's a song called "Used to." To be fair, uh, I'm biased, so um, I mixed this song. But uh, okay. It was a, it, but it was a, it was a collaboration. So um, Alan Day from Four Year Strong produced this EP. Oh, nice. Um, oh, yeah. We we had him on our show. In fact, that's how our, how his manager, who you share a manager totally. with him. That's obviously how I do. I do share talks. a manager with Alan. That's right. Yeah. Um, so Alan produced this song and he hit me up and he, he said, I think you'd be a good fit to mix this. So um, she, her, the, the girl, she goes by Wilma, her, minor, her name's Kaylin. Kaylin flew out, mm-hmm. um, came here and Alan, Kaylin and I uh, mixed this EP. It's, it's really good. Um, oh, but yeah, so yeah, it's the, the EP is called used to, and the song I really like off of it, I guess I'm going to go with used to. All the songs are really good. Um, but that came out this past year. It's, it's awesome.
number four, um, I've gone with, well, it could have been a few songs of this album, but it's from the new Anti-Flag album that was released earlier in the year. Oh, yeah. 2020 Vision. Um, But yeah, there's a few on there I could have picked from. But yeah, I I guess it it continued on from American Fall in terms of being a bit more more upbeat and a bit poppier. Yeah, a bit more polished. Yeah, you know, obviously really relevant protest songs at the moment, addressing all the fucking Definitely. shit and hate and racism that's going on in the world right now. So, um, yeah, I, I had, to, had to include a song from, from that record. I've, I've gone for a song by Slick Shoes, who put out an album for the first Slick time. Slick Shoes! <laughs> yeah, they put out an album for the first time. Slick years. Shoes in a long time. Damn, that like old tooth and nail band? Yeah, 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 yeah. No shit, wow. Because they're, um, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't know if they ever officially split up, but they've kind of been part-time for a few years and like been putting out yeah. the odd song here and there. But they did a full length that came out in September. And, I'll check it out. you know, it's very, what you know, it's them doing what they used to do so but yep. there's some solid songs on it and there's a really good track called 2008 so i'd recommend giving that yeah, one i'll check it out that's awesome slake shoes didn't see that one coming <laughs> Number threes, again, not in order. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Flowers of Light by Caspian um, off of the new Caspian record, which is on Circles. Um, Caspian, they're from the North Shore of Boston. Um, we, we, did a, a, we did a UK tour with them. Um, I think, I, no, UK and Europe. We, we did a tour with them, like a three-week tour. Um, awesome dudes. I, I, I'm a sucker for, for post-rock. In, in general, especially instrumental post rock, and um, I'd always been a Caspian fan, like long before I knew them. Yeah. And then I remember being on that tour, being like, "You guys are the fucking real deal. They are a very, very good band." Um, so, gotta throw Caspian in there for sure. Nice. So my number three, staying on the Alan Day theme, um, sure. I've gone with a four-year-strong track from from the new record Brain Pain that, that released. Yeah, a- April time, I think it was. No, I think it year. was it was February, almost a year ago now. It was earlier than that. Yeah. Okay, um, learn to live a lie off that record. I think it's a well, it's my favorite song off the record. It's cool. Um, just really, really fun track. Really well put together. Um, yeah, love it. Gone for a newfound glory song next. Um, their their record didn't get it got mixed reviews this year, but I really I, I thought it was really good. It's one of my favorite records by them. I went for the song Trophy because it's got a massive chorus on it. Man, I gotta you're busting out all this pop punk that I need to listen to. I I forgot <laughs> to listen to all his 
slick shoes and newfound glory. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, we All could right, be so, having this conversation in 1999 at this rate. <laughs> yeah, you sure could. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta know. I'm going to do the From Exile record from the Men- Menzingers. Um, oh, yeah. Like nice. basically their quarantine record. Yeah. Um, and basically everything on there is awesome. But the, the way they reprised uh, America, You're Freaking Me Out, is um, super creative and super good. Yeah. Really I, good. When I first heard it, I like didn't even realize it was the same song. And then like I heard the melodies and the lyrics. I was like, oh, my God, this is super clever. Um, so uh, that's my number two, right? Yeah. Yep. Good choice. Nice. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a good record. I've enjoyed that. Yeah, this year. yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. My number two, so it wasn't actually released this year, uh, um, last year, I should say. It was released um, in 2019, but I've listened to it a lot this year, and I, I, it's a bit of a sellout as well. Um, obviously, Machine Gun Kelly had his introduction <laughs> into um, the kind of pop punk world last yep. year. the The album itself didn't, I didn't, I think it was well put together. Didn't massively connect with me. Um, but the song he did and the build up to that with um, a, a young British artist called Youngblood and Travis Barker called um, I Think I'm Okay. Um, I, I've loved that track and I've played awesome. it all, all throughout the year. Um, and I think he, I think he's done a great job with that with that record. I think he's had some good guidance from um, from from Mr. Barker and whoever else he worked with on that record. But... Can I can I can I say that? I still haven't heard Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I still haven't. I hear his name Old every new? day. Yeah. Old and new I, stuff? I don't know anything. I don't know. Who is this? Uh, okay. I, I, I hear about this this machine. I feel like grandpa right now, but I hear about this constantly. I'm just too busy listening to like fucking Russian circles and old Fugazi records. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, mean I, I mean, I couldn't tell you any of um, Machine Gun Kelly's pre- Sure. Pop punk, punk rock kind of music. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he's done a great job. And obviously, this young lad, Youngblood, I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, he's heard from, the name. From, yeah, he's from Doncaster down the road from, from Newcastle a little bit. And he's making making a lot of waves. And that was on, on the Graham Norton show last night. They're both making big waves, aren't they? Yeah. And um, he, he's got a, a burnt McCracken kind of vibe to sure. him especially on that sure. song he's got it's got a very used feel to it as well which cool. i quite like so. I'll go with my next one, which um, I've gone for Machine Gun Kelly too. I, that, <laughs> I mean, that record, do you know what? It didn't have as much staying power for me as I'm, I, I, I hoped because I really loved it when I first listened to it. But 
because it's so poppy and it's just you know a bit lightweight i think once you spend some time with it but um but it has some great pop songs like the one he did with halsey uh forget me too I, that's the one i've done gone for because yeah it's just a yep. huge chorus Number one with a bullet. Um, I talked about this band earlier in the podcast, but I I hate to talk about shit I did, but I I just got to Go on this one. Uh, it came, the record's coming out in 2021, but the single came out in 2020, and that's going to be the Stray by Cali Mossy. Um, band rules. So I want everyone cool. in the world to check out this band because they're nice. doing a UK they're doing a UK uh, European tour this spring i believe as long yeah, as it doesn't hopefully. get canceled it's like yeah right. exactly exactly scheduled to we'll see but um yeah so check check out the stray by cali Massey and just check out that band in general they're awesome definitely Um, so my number one uh, is a song that you introduced me to, Chris, and a band you introduced me to. Um, it's a song um, by the Love Breakers. <laughs> oh, it is. This is my one as well. Ah. I'll just I'll say it. <laughs> so, so uh, song by Love Breakers. Feel free to chip in at any point, yeah, 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 Chris. Yeah, uh, yeah sure. Song is called Family Man. Um, the UK band from Birmingham. Very much kind of got a 70s 80s kind of rock and roll kind of vibe punk yeah. rock style um produced by dave warsop from the beat da- union yeah do you know davey warsop uh, uh another name yeah he's a producer out in he's from birmingham too but he moved out to la to work with hurley where he's done a lot of bands cool. and he yeah. used to have a band called beat union who would like the same sort of sound and like it's, gotcha. out, it's got his handprints or all over at this one but uh cool yeah it's it this wasn't planned either we, no it wasn't that's really funny it's, it's like yeah yeah no i recommend de- definitely when you get a moment it's like love breakers one word and the song's okay, I'll check it out. man check it out yeah. it's just yeah i will for sure awesome nice old school vibes yeah it's got the horns it's just really fun listen and i think it probably connects a bit more um to us from a i guess an age an age perspective as well. Sure. Um, them as a band, they're probably they're probably more around our age, aren't they, Chris? No, I, th- I, th- I think that. I mean, the, 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 yeah, the lyrical content seems appropriate to it because we're we're um, I think around your age, Jay, maybe slightly yeah. younger, but but pretty yeah. much the same age. But yeah, they look a lot younger. But I think the lyrical content and the sound of that song, totally. you know, it's it's more appropriate to us. I'm a family man, nice to meet you Come and shed my hand I'll do all I can just to please you I'm a family man I'm a family man Your wages cover our mortgage Nice. 
Anyth- anything on the radar for 2020 that, that's worth worth chatting over quickly? Do you mean 2021? I actually don't know who's putting out records uh, in 2021. It's weird, right? Because like most of 2020, I mean, so I own this recording studio and I can tell you, I've mixed and mastered a bunch of stuff, but working on my other projects, but um, you know, my our, we're not tracking shit comparatively. No one wants to, who wants to be in a little recording studio, right? Like just right. breathing all over each other. Yeah, so yeah, the tracking bookings are way down. It'll be really interesting to see. But I mean, you know, once the pandemic's over, um, I really think that live music's going to completely explode. Like people are just totally starving. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to go out every night, you know? Yeah. We've talked totally. about it with, with quite a few of our guests, like the back end of last year, about just the, the appetite being kind of bigger than ever just to get out and to... Oh my God, know, yeah. Yeah, to, to get out and watch some live music. In what format well, that is, who knows? Like, I know. You know. I mean, we've we've spoken to some people who are like, um, you know, cool with the whole um, socially distanced gigs where you have your, your areas yep. and stuff. Whereas we've spoken to Alan, Alan Day, for instance, who was like, I don't want to do it if it's not fucking sure. kids in the pit and like, you know, want to go full hog. So we'll see. What That's I, cool. See where my, I bought my Christmas tree from Alan. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We drove out to his farm, and we let we let my son pick out a Christmas tree from oh, Alan. It was nice. pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah his nice. farm sounds really cool from what you told us about it. Uh, it's, it's it's really cool. It's really pretty. Um, no, I kind of agree with him. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Like I, but I think you know, man, it really makes you appreciate what we took for granted. Cause, you know, I'd be like, hey, you going to the show tonight? You know, and you'd be like, I don't know. You know. Now I'd be like, yes, of course. <laughs> of course I'm going to the show. What am I, sit in my house? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Had enough of that. Yeah, totally. I've definitely been guilty of that, of just kind of shunning shows just because I've had a busy day at work and I don't want to spend right. the money or whatever. But, you know, I think, like you say, the appetite will hopefully be... It might be hard to get tickets for shows at some point, yeah. like the ones you actually want to go to. Oh, you kidding? Yeah. It's going to be crazy. People are going to lose their minds. Once it's like actually finally safe, I think we'll we'll see like a resurgence like a it's gonna be like the swinging 20s around here again you know people yeah, are just gonna be yeah. fucking wiling out just going for it totally okay cool. um we could probably wrap this up now i think um sure thing. that's cool with you guys yeah. um yeah no jay thanks so much for giving us your time um on, on your uh, saturday morning massively appreciate my, it. my pleasure is uh really fun i think it's really funny that i tried to do this podcast yesterday on accident. oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I to mention that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then I woke up this morning when I emailed you like, Hey, I'm going to be a minute behind. It's because I woke up. And so I was supposed to do this 10 a.m. My time. I woke up and I looked at my phone. It was nine 59. Oh, I was, I was like, <laughs> but you know, you know, what was good is I set all this shit up yesterday. Uh, <laughs> so, I was like, yeah. well, <laughs> so the mistake yesterday out. served you well. Nice. It, it did for <laughs> nice. sure. For sure. <laughs> good stuff. Well, thanks for joining yeah, us, man. And you have a good my weekend with, with the little one. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, this was fun. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, we'd love it if you could subscribe to us uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or any, anywhere like that. Um, also, check us out on social media. If, if you just search for Wasting Time Podcast on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, give us a like or a follow on any of those. And also, we love hearing from listeners as well. So. Um, feel free anytime to drop us an email at the wasting time podcast at gmail.com or obviously you can message us on social media as well but um yeah we'll catch you next time for you to arrive